This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Well, good morning. Oh, am I echoing? Oh, excellent. I'm going to boom out at you for hours. There we are. Because I can go on, and I promise I will. There we go. Are you all okay? Did you all have chocolate? Did you all have chocolate? I didn't. Not one bit. Not one bit. My body is a temple. Old and ruined. But the <laughs> Did you all, so you've all had chocolate. So you're all sort of sustained for this bit then. Yeah? He's risen! He's risen! Isn't this the most exciting, exciting, exciting day? In our calendar, really. I mean, I love Christmas. I, I feel a little bit sick with excitement at Christmas. It's just like, oh. But, you know, Easter is what it's all about. Isn't it? For a Christian, Easter is what it's all about. We are here to celebrate that our king is alive. Death could not hold him down. It couldn't defeat him. He is living. He's not just alive. He's living. There's a difference, isn't there? I know maybe I'm relying on your charity to see the difference, but there is a definite difference between, hold on, I'm all caught up. This could end in fashion disaster. Wait, it's all okay. So, you know, it's a difference between being alive and living, and we celebrate a living Christ, don't we? A living God. So, because he is living, we are alive and living, aren't we? So it's not just about being alive and walking around and being alive with a pulse. You are living. Yes? Yes, there's a difference. Now, wait, as, as Mark said, no, sorry, Mike said, there's fewer of us here today, so um, I can see you all and pick on you. So if I don't get the responses I want, consider yourself targeted. Is that okay? Don't laugh. I mean it. No. Right, here we go. So we're going to do a quick run through. Um, why is that there? That's not there. Right, we're going to do a quick run through Easter, the Easter story. Is that Okay. Even if it's not, I'm doing it. See the power I have. Right, so it began with last Sunday, didn't it? With Palm Sunday. Lee, are you primed? Are your clicking fingers ready? Click away, my lovely. Is it up? No. Click, Lee. Click for all your worth. Click, Lee. <laughs> Palm Sunday. What? No, it's a picture. Don't worry, I can, I can wing this for as long as needs be. We started with Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, where the crowds of people were flinging palm leaves at Jesus and shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, and echoing the Old Testament, which prophesied that the Messiah would enter Jerusalem on a colt, on a little donkey. Yes, we all remember? Still not there. I'm just going to carry on. And so the people... I'm using some modern imagery including modern technology watch how this goes horribly wrong right so what this is you know because uh, listen I, I love art and images I think it all adds up I think art is important I think it really is and this is a modern image isn't it so this is you know I've got to say them are some big palm leaves aren't they could have some as I yet with those health and safety gone mad so they were, so that's the triumphal entry. So Christ enters Jerusalem for that week and he speaks and he shares and he meets with his disciples and he does amazing things and he's there and the people love him. The people are going wild for him. They are shouting, you're our saviour. This is the person they've waited for. They are ecstatic. In that way, huge groups of people together can get. 
Yes? That, that sort of collective energy, if you like, where everyone's excited, so everyone's feeling the same. So there's a collective thing. So they're almost not working as individuals. It's this group hysteria because Jesus is here. But that changes over the course of the week. So Jesus is betrayed. Yeah? Who's he betrayed by? Judas. Judas Iscariot. Did anybody watch the documentary Friday morning, Good Friday morning on Judas Iscariot on BBC One? It was on at nine o'clock. It was fascinating. If you can eye play it, eye play it. It was brilliant. A lady vicar, whose name escapes me, which is awful really, isn't it? I can only call her Lady Vicar. But um, she was brilliant. And do you know what? Just to have those scriptures brought alive to you and the realisation that actually I'm as big a betrayer as, as Judas. You know, to come to that realisation. But there is forgiveness for us all. There is a picture to go with this as well, Lee. So, Jesus is betrayed. He is betrayed by someone close to him. Now, I think, you see, there's nothing new under the sun, is there? So if you've ever been let down by somebody who's really, really close to you, or you've let down someone really, really close to you, Jesus gets that. Jesus understands. He's been through that. So this culminates in him being arrested. Judas betrays him with a kiss, by the way. He said, the one I kiss is the one you're looking for. You see, it was all about an uprising. It was all about getting things right. Jerusalem was a city under Roman occupation, and they'd had enough of it. So what they wanted was zealots. These people wanted Jesus to take over, to be the Messiah, and to say, we can kick the Romans out. Things will change for us. You're our Jewish king. You are it. So come on, do it. So there's an argument, isn't there, a school of thought, that Judas just wanted to force Jesus' hand a little bit, just to say, come on, come in and do it. But of course, when he realises what they do to him, his heart breaks and he kills himself because he did not intend, well, this is my interpretation, you make of it what you will, maybe I'm being a little bit too sympathetic. He didn't intend for Jesus to end up dying like a criminal. What he wanted was a revolution. What he wanted was for things to change. But you know, but the Bible does tell us the devil got into him. Be careful what you wish for. You know, be careful. Even if your motives are 100% right in your mind, you know what? You give a foothold, you can, it can get in, and you can act in a way that you never meant to act. And the consequences can be dire, can't they? So Jesus was betrayed, and it was chaos. The soldiers are there. It's estimated that he turned up with something like part of a legion. So 600 soldiers turned up to arrest Jesus. One man. One unarmed man. But that's how much of a threat they perceived him to be. So 600 soldiers. It was chaos. Years got cut off. It was just crazy. You know? But Jesus healed. And he goes with them. And he's put on trial. A kangaroo court, if you like. Because... There was only one inevitable outcome. He was never going to get off, was he? We know that, don't we? He was put on trial before everyone. He was shuttled back and forth between the Sanhedrin and Pilate. Pilate's going, I know what you want me to do with him. I'm washing my hands. You do what you like. And the Jews are going, no, we can't kill him because that makes us look really, really bad. So just kill him, will you? You know, so there's this argument, this tension going on. Basically, the die was cast. The die was cast. And Jesus' fate was sealed. He was crucified the death of a criminal but before he was crucified he was brutalized and tortured and tormented and this is a very modern image that we have of Jesus now isn't it from the passion of the Christ we're very very you know when you see lots of religious iconography it's always a very pristine Jesus hanging on the cross isn't it it's not somebody who looks like they've been tortured and beaten 
just to the point of death, but then we're going to really cruelly murder you, you know? So let's just make that really degrading and horrible for you. But this is an image that we are, we are living with, isn't it? And, you know, as much as we celebrate he's living, living, this should humble us every day, shouldn't it? We should live in the knowledge that this was done for us. He endured that so I never have to. Amen. Amen. Now, if you're a Christian here today, he endured this so you don't have to. If you're not a Christian here today, he endured this so you don't have to. It's the same for all of us. He did that for us so that we don't have to. Jesus died. He died a criminal's death. He died, you know, a sinner's death, if you like. And he was taken down from the cross and buried. Joseph of Arimathea purchased a tomb, a tomb that had never had a body laid in it. And the men and the women took him down and they had to bury him really, really quickly because Passover was coming. So, and the Sabbath. So he weren't allowed to do anything. So they couldn't sin and break the law. Joseph of Arimathea was a secret follower of Jesus. He feared the Jews. So if he had been caught doing this, he risked his life to take down Jesus' body off a cross and bury it. That's what he did, so that they could honour his dead body. They anointed it with oils. They said that it, in, in total, the amount of perfume they took and aloes and aloe that they took weighed 75 pounds. So they totally honoured Jesus' body in death and they laid him in a tomb. And that was it. That was it. Until... Uh-huh. See what I did? Do you see what I did there? Did you feel the tension? <laughs> oh, even I thought, I don't know what's happening next. No, I do. So they laid him in a tomb. And it was over. It was over. Can you imagine being a follower of Jesus? And then you think, whoa, well, that's it? <laughs> he just died? That's, so what are we meant to do now? You know, they didn't have the scriptures. They didn't have this to let them know what was going to happen next. They just had to live in faith and trust. And I think sometimes, you know, if we take anything away from today, it's that we totally take for granted that faith and trust, don't we? They didn't know what was going to happen until the next day, the day after next. I do know my Bible, honest, all right? They went to the tomb and it was empty thank you one person you know full of fruit and cheese i don't know you know thank goodness it was empty he was gone he was gone he had risen but they didn't know that at this point all they saw was an empty tomb and this is where we pick up our story are you with me so far excellent so we're taking our scripture from john chapter 20 okay we're going to go through verses 1 to 18 it is quite a wedge of scripture but you know what you can do it i believe in you you can do it, yeah? Come on, let's do it. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. Can you just point out who's writing this? It's John, the one Jesus loved. So he's calling himself, you know, I don't want to put my own name in, but I'm just letting you know, I'm the one Jesus loved. Okay? She said... They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. So not only is he loved by Jesus, he's faster than Peter. <laughs> All right, that's what John's telling us here. 
He's telling us other stuff as well, but he's quick and he's loved. All right? Here we go. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, the only thing he doesn't say is he's fat and ugly, isn't it? You know? He's, he's slow and a little bit less loved than John. There we go. Don't you just love scripture? If you read it, that's what he's saying, isn't it? You know what? I'm loved and I'm quick. So there we go. Right. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as a burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. They didn't have this. Okay? So they know something has happened. They know he's gone. They've got that. They've heard Mary Magdalene. They want to see with their own eyes. This, you know, just think about the chaos going on, you know, and the confusion and the fear. They needed to see with their own eyes. They go in and they're like, right, okay. But they didn't understand yet. They hadn't applied all the stuff that Jesus had said to them about, look, they're going to tear this temple down, but in three days it's going to be rebuilt again. They hadn't got that to that bit yet. But they knew, okay, okay, something's happened. So going on. Yeah. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken away my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise that it was Jesus. Do you get that? Okay, so Jesus is there, but she doesn't recognize him. She can't discern Jesus before her. She's in a state, but Jesus is there, but she can't recognize him. Okay, woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them the things that he had said to her. (gasps) Isn't it exciting? Do you know when you read scripture, do you think, isn't that exciting? It's like a book, isn't it? Where something really brilliant happens. You're like, I've got to read the next bit because that's brilliant so here we are we're going to start with the disciples so here we are okay the tomb has been been opened the stone's been removed now we know that that means Jesus' victory yes but their confusion and everything let me tell you the dimensions now I'm no Lee Strobel as you might know so I can't give you the case for Christ I'm not that clever but what I can tell you is the stone that was in front of the tomb was about four to six foot in diameter it was either round or cork, they say. So I'm about um, five foot eleven. Go with it. <laughs> shut up! Shut up! You shut up! Right. So, so as tall and as wide. So your arm span is the same as your height, isn't it? So you know, if Joseph stood up now, don't. His, you know, <laughs> he'd be as tall as that. So it's a big circle like that, and it was in front of the tomb. Now there were grooves in the ground so that they could roll it now they reckon one man could probably do it on his own or two men because it weighed between one and two tons 
Okay? And it was in grooves to get it in. So the, the, when it was open, the stone was sort of on a slight incline to just roll into place. Now, theoretically, from the outside, somebody could have pushed that away. They could have. Would have been a job, but they could have. But what historians think would be impossible is that one man on his own could get enough purchase on the stone to push it uphill. Because you'd have to push it back up. So somebody inside, so don't think, it hasn't slitted it, slotted in now, you know, like a lid. It's lying outside, isn't it? So they wouldn't be able to get enough purchase to push it uphill. Let alone somebody who had been tortured to the point of death and then rallied inside the tomb. Oh, I've been nailed up for a while, but I feel a bit better. You know, I'm going to roll this stone away now. That can't possibly have happened. So you're left with some possibilities. And believe me, if you look for evidence on the internet, you will find a wealth of nuts evidence. It's brilliant, really. So some people think that um, they dug a tunnel out. <laughs> like the Great Escape or something, you know. In there, overnight, that would have happened, you know. Or that um, it, was, it was all tramped up. It was all fake. You know, that somebody had got there beforehand and just taken the body and taken it away to create this mystery. But we as Christians believe that the miraculously he resurrected, don't we? The evidence points to... You see, the resurrection is key, isn't it? There are lots of martyrs around. Even nowadays, look what's happening in the world. There are plenty of people who are ready to die for a cause. But I have never known anybody resurrect from the dead for a cause. So it's key, isn't it? So this is what's happening. And the disciples, I love the disciples in this place. I absolutely love them because, you know, Jesus is so patient with them because they just keep getting it wrong and misunderstanding things. But in this place, they just go in, all right, all right. You know what? He told us he was Lord. He told us we were king. We're just going to wait for this bit. We're just going to wait and see what's next. And you know what? We might be in a position now where we're waiting for the next bit. Okay. You might be in a place where you don't see what's happening right now. But I'm asking you, Christ is here and he's living, to wait in faith and trust for the next bit. I don't know what your next bit is. You don't know what my next bit is. But with Christ, you just wait in faith and trust for that next bit. Is that okay? You know what? It's a big ask sometimes, isn't it? Because we think, my gosh, you know, are you really asking me? You know, you don't know my life, Andrea. You you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what my next bit is. You don't know what my present bit is. But what I want us to understand is that sometimes we can mourn for an empty tomb instead of rejoicing that Christ is risen and living. So in our lives, we actually look at the empty tomb and we stay there. So instead of moving on in power, we think... I could have had it all, but it's gone. Because, you know, I don't believe in a God that's mealy-mouthed or spiteful or um, likes to withhold. I don't believe in a God like that. I believe in a God who loves me and I'm created in his image. I believe in a God who sent his son to die for me. And I believe in a God who only wants good for me. The choices I make are the choices I make and I can scupper that along the way as many times as I like. But I believe in a God who wants good for me and has good for me. So why would I stay crying at an empty tomb? They've taken my Lord away and I don't know where he is. That's what she's crying about, isn't it? They've taken him away. I don't know where he is. I don't know where he is. And if I want to get to the next bit, I have to know where he is. So where is he? 
So we stand at our empty tombs, knowing Jesus was there, but that he's gone somewhere else. You know what? Don't fall in love with your empty tomb. Okay? Jesus moved from death to life. He made a mockery of death. He made a mockery of it. He trampled it to death. Death is dead. Okay? It's dead. It's gone. It has no power over us. So why are you standing at your empty tombs and crying? We need to be walking in the light of a living Christ. Does that make sense? So leave behind your dead stuff. The grave clothes were left in the tomb. Okay? So don't walk away from your empty tomb still wearing your grave clothes, carrying the stench of death around with you. You have been set free. Fabulous news. Absolutely marvelous. You have been set free for what? Freedom. To live in freedom, to walk in freedom, to believe in freedom, to have faith, hope and love and trust in freedom. And that is purchased for us. I've only got three points today, so I'll whiz through them. We're already going on to point two. See how kind I am to you? So point two is all about the resurrection and what it means to a Christian. You see, if you aren't a Christian, the resurrection is just something for you that may or may not have happened. I'm asking you here today, friends to recommit yourself to God to sow yourself into relationship with the Lord God Almighty to worship the Most High God to do everything you do from a point of service for his glory and honour that is what it's all about for us and that for us is sown into us through the resurrection of Jesus yes? you see it's all about Good Friday it's all about Good Friday but it's all about the living King as well isn't it? You know what? We celebrate the communion. I love communion. What a privilege. What an honour. There are people in this world who would kill to be able to take communion like we are able to do it. Who would lay their lives down to have that freedom. I love it. And we celebrate his death until he comes again. Yes? But we live in celebration of a living God. As well. We are mindful and humbly worship before the sacrifice through communion, don't we? But we live our lives praising a living God. Are you with me? Are you with me? Because if we're not, then it's just me up here on my own. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? You can't divide your Sundays from your Mondays anymore. Okay? When you come here on Sunday and we have communion, that is special. That is special. When as a church, as the saints, as the saints together... We celebrate Jesus and remember him. But Monday is when you get to walk in the power of the living God in your life. Yes! When you walk into your place of work, into school, into college, into university, and you, you know what, take your shoes off, you're walking on holy ground. You're walking on ground the Lord himself has given you. So you can walk in the power and the strength of Jesus in your everyday life. Through the resurrection. I may need to put my glasses on for this. I copied this, right? I didn't copy it. That would be plagiarising. I got this. I borrowed it, relocated it, from a book I bought for 30p in a Christian bookshop. It's marvellous. The Reverend Tory's Full Concordance on the Bible. It's marvellous. It was written in the 19th century. Do you know what? It's brilliant. It's brilliant. You know, sometimes we throw the baby out with the bathwater, don't we? Just because something hasn't got flashing lights or a fancy cover, we think there's possibly nothing that that can, give, can, can say to me. This little book that has fallen to bits has spoken more to me than, gosh, oceans of 
swanky merchandise shops. Do you know what I'm trying to say? All of that stuff is great, but don't discount what's come before. It's like Peter and John, right? What you can't do is look at somebody further ahead in your race and envy them, but what you can't do either is look at somebody who's gone behind and despise them. Right? Does that make sense? We can't look at somebody up ahead and go, oh, I just want to be like that. Look, I'm going to just run a bit faster and try and catch up with them. But thus gone behind, well, that's done now. I don't need that anymore. Whatever is ahead, hallelujah and ha- amen. Whatever's behind, hallelujah and amen. We stand on the shoulders of giants, don't we? We can't forget that and despise it because we're f- focused on the really shiny thing like magpies. You know what? What's up ahead? Great. Fantastic and good. But you're here right now don't desire either you be here right now does that make sense okay good right the resurrection Greek word anastasis it signifies a raising or a rising up right okay nobody cares what it means nobody cares about definitions anymore I do I do I'm the sort of person that reads dictionaries I do I love a dictionary don't laugh Alison I love a dictionary should all try to learn a new word every week and use it in your vocabulary. That's nothing to do with Jesus. There. That's all to do with me. Okay. So the resurrection of Christ. Secures and illustrates things for his people. So it's the belief. These beliefs. And this is what secures our relationship with God. This is what nails it down. Yeah? This is what embeds it in us. This is what, if somebody snapped you in half like a stick of rock, the word Jesus would run straight through you. Yeah? This is your DNA. This is what it does for us. It seals and consummates his redemptive power. Hallelujah. Yeah? It seals it. Nobody can take away the fact that your sins are forgiven through the resurrection of Christ Jesus. And when he consummates it, he fulfills it. He makes it so. (gasps) That's what the resurrection does. So you can walk in freedom, forgiven of your sin through the resurrection of Christ Jesus. Do you have to, does Jesus have to be resurrected every day to forgive you? No. We repent and walk on, but it is done. When Christ said, it is finished, this is what he meant. You don't have to do that now. I've done it for you. You can walk in your freedom. I bought that for you. Thank you very much, Jesus. It is indicative of our federal and vital union with Christ. Federal meaning, okay, legal. So we now have legality, legitimacy of union with Christ. And vital meaning alive. So it's both legal and alive. So it's completed. Its function is completed. But it is legal and alive. It is incontrovertible. Look it up in a dictionary. Right? So it is. It cannot be changed ever. It, do you see when the Bible says there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ? That, right? This is it. This is it. It's done. So you don't have to worry about that all the time. Because God is saying, you see, my son did that. So this is what now I can give to you. So it is fulfilled, completed. It is legal. In a court of law, it stands up. And it is vital. It is living. Isn't that the most dynamic thing you've ever heard? That that is ongoing and floods you. Okay. His spirit now dwells in us, making us temples of the Holy Spirit. (gasps) That's brilliant. I love that. I think that's amazing. And, you know, he's Lord of living and dead. Christ is now Lord of living and dead. No getting away from that. You all all right with this? You've looked more excited in the past, I'll be honest. Somebody mentioned Easter eggs. You all cracked a smile. But, you know, you all okay with this? Okay. And 
it is indicative of our resurrection symbolically from death to life we have moved from a state of death to a state of life we will be resurrected and the last time won't we but even now as we are alive we have moved from a state of death to a state of life that is what christ purchased for us that is what the empty tomb means do you see why you need to move on from the empty tomb because if you're still looking at the empty tomb you're not walking in all of that stuff that christ bought for you he's like i did it all where are you going what are you doing i've done it move on that's what he's there and he's saying so we move on to the fine bit we come back to mary and this is from sort of verse 11 to the end i love mary magdalene don't you love mary magdalene i'm so chuffed genuinely when i read i'm so chuffed jesus revealed himself to her don't you think that you think oh good i'm so glad because she went through so much and she loved him so deeply and she was bereft and bereaved and jesus was there and he just spoke her name do you get it this bit i've called connect and redirect which is something we use in therapy when i'm working with young people and it's all about balancing stuff up okay when somebody's got attachment issues but what we do is in order to get them to refocus and to connect with what you are trying to do and get them more emotionally level when someone is a place of high expressed emotion how many people have actually calmed down when they're upset because somebody said to them calm down no one impossible say calm down oh right yeah i hadn't thought of that yeah okay feeling much better no it just doesn't happen like that does it so when you're in a state of high emotion what you need is somebody to come alongside you who is thinking rationally and in a linear way to say i understand this is difficult for you and i think maybe you're feeling this and it gives somebody a chance to vocalize now that is what we do but in this place it was mary and I love her so much. She came early in the day when it was still dark. On a Sunday morning, the first day of the week, on Easter Sunday, she was there. In other versions, it says there were other women with her as well. But it was still dark. Do you know what Lord God says? Do you know what the Lord your God says? If you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. She was seeking, wasn't she? This was a desperate woman. This was a woman who said, Where's he gone? Even if I just get to see his dead body to anoint it one last time, I'm happy with that. I'll do that for him. But to get there and he'd gone. No more. So, you know, you've got the hell of the crucifixion now compounded by the hell of he's gone. Someone's stolen him. What's happened? And she is bereft and she's waiting. And in the midst of all of that, in the midst of all of that emotion, there's a gardener who doesn't appear to be doing very much gardening it has to be said because he appears in a couple of the gospels and you think why do they think he was a gardener he won't do no gardening <laughs> you know what I mean oh he must be the gardener why you know you know it's like that so and she says well, do you know do you know what just, just if you've taken him just let me know look I'm not going to do anything just let me know so I can see him just let me know please and she didn't recognise Jesus her problem her emotions were all over the place and the solution was right there and she couldn't see it you getting where I'm going with this her problem was right there and she couldn't see it you see what she wanted 
was to be redirected to the answer before she connected with her saviour. And I'm saying, we get it the wrong way round. We want the hand to come down and write on the wall the answer to our problems, don't we? Or we want God to move in a miraculous way to just change everything. And then it's all cupcakes and fairy lights, you know? And then we'll worship you. Then I can reconnect with you. Because in, the mom- in this moment, things are really tough and I can't connect with you. I can't worship you. But Christ is going, connect first, redirect after. You see? You connect with me and then everything's okay. I put things right. And she did it. Because Christ will always make himself known. Don't ever think whatever situation you're in or where you're stuck, that everything I've said today now, well, that's it. I can't move on. So I'm going to be stuck there. No, 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 no. You serve a living God and a living saviour. Jesus will always make himself known. And what did she do? He's, last year I told you this, didn't I? That he's whispering your name. And this year I'll tell you something to add on to that. You see, he says her name and she turned around you with me she had her back to Jesus and she was bereft and she didn't know what to do and she hadn't recognised him and he says her name and she turns around and sees him don't live with your back turned to Jesus he is whispering your name he is making himself known he is telling you he's king of that situation he's telling you he's king of everything but you need to turn around and see him and connect with him and your life is redirected do you see we spend all our time sometimes okay on our knees where's he gone where are you where are you where are you if you been here my brother wouldn't have died isn't that what martha said if you were here, things would be different. Look at my life. And he's going, Andrea, you've got to stand up, turn around, look at him, and say, I love you. And I know you did it for me. Right, where are we going next? It's as metaphorical as that. It's as symbolic as that. You are not designed to live on your knees with your back turned to Jesus, you were designed to connect with him in relationship and be on your knees in worship in front of him. Right? You were not designed to live in front of an empty tomb on your knees, calling out, where are you? He's behind you. He's saying your name. Turn around. You with me? Even if you have to do it every minute of every day initially, turn around that thing pulling you off turn around those emotions threatening to overwhelm you turn around all that stuff that relationship that's toxic turn around those kids that don't talk to you anymore turn around christ is there he will redirect you not you redirecting jesus and then hoping to connect up with him at a later date you know do this for me jesus then i'll worship you just think of all the praise and thanks I can give you when you've done this and moved in miraculous power for me. No, 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 no. Turn around. I'm right here. Now be redirected. You see, what was our verse for last year? Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of, of our faith, of our faith, who took upon this, what was it? The, the, the cross, the shame of the cross and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. He endured all that shame for us you know what we might not like to talk about um, 
shame and sin and guilt and all of that stuff. But Jesus endured all of that so you don't have to. You know, if you're living in guilt, Jesus doesn't want that. If you're living in shame, Jesus doesn't want that. If you're living in a place of, you know, where you're beating yourself up and your self-esteem is so low, Jesus doesn't want that. Turn around. Reconnect with the living God. Don't stand at the empty tomb anymore asking where he is. He's here. You just need to focus on Jesus. Fix your eyes on him. Focus on him. The author and perfecter of our faith. Church, that's all I can tell you. It's not, it's not nothing, anything. I don't think it's anything new. It's not rocket science, is it? You know? But he promises he will be with us to the end of the age. That's what I can tell you. You know, don't stand at an empty tomb crying and asking where he is. He's promised to be with you to the end of the age. He will never leave you or forsake you. So you need to turn around and fix your eyes on him. You know, today, when you go home in the Byzantine church, eggs symbolized new life. It symbolized the tomb. And that's why they used to smash them. Okay? Because it is finished. My Redeemer lives so today when you get home, if you've got an egg, take it in your hand and smash it symbolically because you no longer are at a dead, are dead at an empty tomb. Smash your egg, eat your chocolate and serve and worship your living God. Amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.